Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. We're still in a quarantine. Newsflash. We are. <laughs> the We're new normal, doing. babe. <laughs> we still haven't, we haven't seen anybody besides our spouses and our kids and our cats mm-hmm. and our dogs. And that's it. I did go hiking. <gasps> I shouldn't amazing. admit that. But I did go hiking. I did see some people... But every time I saw a person on the trail, I would put my mask back on. So yes, well, I'm no going one running. I'm trying mad to exercise. Me. Yeah, I'm trying to do some exercise because I realized, and it took guys, it took a quarantine for me to realize this that if I don't exercise, I'm incredibly paranoid. Really? <laughs> so, yep. Took a quarantine. I've just been living like this. Like I, I get really extra sensitive if Alan says something or something, and I'm like, are you mad at me? Do you hate me? Like I, I'm just. And I'm sure Sue and Kate, you know this because you know me very well. I'm just like always like, is everything okay? Like I'm, I'm kind of double and triple checking on everyone's emotions and mm. emotionally what's happening. And I'm much more if I exercise, I'm able to just go like, oh, like we all have different emotions and it's okay. <laughs> huh. Well, it does affect me. Like if I don't exercise, then I get usually depressed or sluggish or. Mm-hmm. So I feel like endorphins definitely affect your mood in so many ways. It just makes me like not as stressed out. I guess it's like getting high or something, you know, like something like taking just like an edge off, which I'm like, great. I haven't done that in forever. So it's a new cool thing that this quarantine has taught me. <laughs> hey, you know me. I love to get high. Hey, I, I love, love it. I love you hike high. We like high. We should tell you, we just want to let you guys know that producer Kate is on the mic tonight. Yes. Yes. Hello. She, thank God. Thank God. For small the, bits. Small bits and commentary. That's all. <laughs> small we bits. love it. It feels like, yeah, small bits. It feels like the mom is in the house and it just feels safer. I'm here to protect and, you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Protect also, me guys, in your womb. <laughs> yes. Hold on to us. <laughs> Hold me. Podmother. Hold the listeners' hands. Listeners, if you have any questions for Kate, you could always also ask us at scam wow you can always ask mm-hmm. her if you have any like always audio questions podcast questions i'm just gonna like let kate open up open her up to everything <laughs> yeah ask me any she's questions here for you i'm too. very thorough in my answers yes she's, she's great before we get started just want to touch base with everybody and see if we have any quarantine recommendations for audio viewing reading pleasure for our audiences anything uh-uh. we're loving I just finished The Magicians. What's that? It's like a, it a book it, or a TV show. It's a TV show on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. Katie, you'll hate it because it's violent. I'm sure I will. <laughs> but um, it's really campy, kind of like um, I would say it's like True Blood meets Harry Potter. Oh, oh, I like so magic. If you though. like Buffy, 
Yeah, it's magic. Like if you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, then you'll really like it. Mm-hmm. It's super cheesy. It was actually introduced to me by the um by Caitlin and Lauren from We Stan, and I think I watched oh. it in like four oh. days. <laughs> They're so. great. You know we love that podcast. I am still working my way through Vanderpump Rules from the beginning. <gasps> I'm almost finished with season four. And it's wonderful. Oh, wow. You're crushing it. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're doing such good work. (laughs) I'm very productive. I can take no content that is Mm -hmm. not. Oh, but today I did watch the new HBO show called We're Here. And I was weeping. It's like drag queens go to small towns and have drag shows in these small towns. And the first episode only is out and was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And it was all these like close-minded people. And you're from Pennsylvania. And I was yeah. weeping. And I'm from Pennsylvania. People are <laughs> racist and homophobic that. there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's so good. So if you if you can watch that, oh, I love oh, it. I, love it. I, don't, I don't have tons yeah. of recommendations, except I still love like really boring YouTube tutorials. Um, but Alan is watching Magic for Humans, which is that guy, he hosts Cupcake Wars, but he does magic. He is technically a magician. I think I started watching specials. that. Is it like... He loves it. It's like a man on the street kind of? Yes, yeah. It's a man on the street. And he, since like he's been doing it for forever. And now he, this special, it incorporates that he has a new baby and a wife and his family and his mother. It's just so sweet. And it, I am, I like magic. Like I like magical things and fairy tales, but I'm not crazy about magic because as you know, if you listen to one of our episodes, I'm pissed off if magicians don't tell me their secrets. If they're too I good. I really get mad. I really get mad if I'm not in on the secret. It's like a personal front to me, a front to me, and I'm, I'm pissed that you don't tell me the secret. Yeah. So I'm not loving, I don't love magic because I don't like being duped, but in this, um, special i cried multiple times an episode hysterically crying because it was sweet and beautiful and lovely and i am just weeping and i was like alan it really gets me and alan is cracking up because i'm sitting there with my arms crossed the whole time and then he does something that's so lovely and i'm just like a bubbling mess so that is really fun if you do like magic and you like you know things that are sweet and can be emotional i think you could even call this podcast we could rename it love to weep because that is us. LTW. LTW, love to weep. Love to weep. That's a t-shirt. I'll make it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, we have two Patreon shout outs. Just want to give a quick shout out to our new Patreon patrons, Tamara and Vanessa. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate your support. And we love you guys. And it's fun. On our patrons, we um we're just we tell all the most personal stuff that we're like, maybe we should cut that. <laughs> but we put it on our Patreon. So yes, you get a lot. There's of it. a new episode up today. We might release another new episode. Who knows? So you can subscribe on um patreon.com slash podcast or um if you just go to scamwowpodcast.com, you'll find it. Guys, this scam today, I hate it so much it made me so upset it hit me on so many levels i am i felt physically ill it was so upsetting this scam drove me crazy and i i don't know how you guys i'm dying to know how you feel about it it's the jt Leroy scam which was big in the early 2000s yes we're talking about legendary literary scammer jt Leroy, and oh mama mia this was a good scam oh 
first we watched (laughs) we watched i loved it we watched two documentaries the first one we watched was called the cult of jt Leroy, and the second one we watched was called author the jt Leroy story and kate even did the lord's work and watched a live action movie what was that one called uh i think just jt Leroy. It was with Kristen Stewart yes. and Laura Dern. And Laura Dern. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So we are covered on all these fronts. We know all of it. Hopefully. I mean, I feel like everything's so shady. And in like a lot of our scammers, people, the facts I still think are completely, I can't trust them at all. They're lies. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all lies. So mm-hmm. JT Leroy had this cult following. It's incredible like how many celebrities, how many celebrity authors all supported this writer. And it was under the guys that this was a young boy who was or was not transitioning to a woman, maybe, not sure, had a horrible abuse of childhood, really upsetting, disgusting stuff, sad stuff, and was writing all of this at 15 years old, was writing novels. Yeah, so the whole character of J.T. Leroy starts out as this woman, Laura Alpert, calls a crisis hotline when she is very young and she starts talking in this voice that's like um kind of like a child with a southern accent to the therapist that she gets on the phone this guy named terry dr terry owens and the doctor guy is like who's talking and she's like jeremiah (laughs) and then he's Mm -hmm. and soup's great and then or jeremiah terminator (laughs) (laughs) i hate it that's what it stands for So it's one of the person we're we're told that it's one of this personalities of this grown woman named Laura Albert, right? Yeah. But at the time, the general public, publishers, I believe even at first some lawyers, like everyone does think this is a child phenom who's 14, 15 years old, who has been like raped and in prostitution and all these horrible things happen to them and is writing these novels based on their real truth like life stories and so that creates this allure and i also think this like acceptance of like the writing didn't have to be that great to get their foot in the door yeah like, well, it's a 14 year old and it's like no it's a 38 year old woman <laughs> pretending she's a 14 year old boy it's bizarre and so Throughout both documentaries, you have people giving JT Lawyer so much reverence. They talk about how they were so like wrapped up in the experience of it and the the sadness of it and the pain of it all. And it's like, yes, if it was an actual young teenage boy. So so after she calls Dr. Terry for a while and she's talking to him, um, I think every day for the first few years, he encourages and she's she her gets a hit from it. Yeah, she encourages or Dr. Terry encourages her to start writing and writing all her experiences down or JT's experiences Even just to keep the story straight. Like there's so much happening. He's like, why don't you just put it on paper? Not even like as a emotional exercise, just like, why don't you clarify where all your personalities are? Right. So then she starts writing it down. And then much like she's talking and developing this relationship with Dr. Terry, she starts calling famous authors and agents that she admires and telling her sob story to these famous authors about who she is and her writing and then and then getting like kind of manipulating them to to like her because she's this 
he's this abused kid. JT is this abused kid. And so then he gets them to read his work, basically. And also these writers are, yes, they're getting contacted every single day by this character she's playing that is a very much wounded, in pain, needy character. And there's like audio clips in both documentaries of um, her saying things as JT Leroy, like, I don't know if I can make it out alive. You're the only person I trust. You're all I need. So she is creating in each of these different relationships with these professional authors, this extreme like vulnerable dependency, but then also would send her work to them and say, can you give me feedback and edit it basically? And so she'd have these brilliant authors edit her novel. And so she basically got all of these writers to write her novel for her and with her. She might be an okay writer, but she got a lot of help. Right. And to just give you an idea of the manipulation, the level of manipulation, there's one author, this poor guy, this sweet guy who sends JT a Christmas gifts for every year of his life up until that point. So JT has this backstory of being abused and never having like good experiences with his family a birthday yeah Yeah, so this so this writer sends him um like a bunch of christmas presents on christmas just to be like a sweet guy and that's how like he how to the level that he had manipulated these people he also asked them to like speak to them with their deepest sexual desires and there was a lot of recordings from all of this like he was also recording it it was so super creepy and you just saw this basically this person like feast on this extreme amount of sensitivity that they were getting from everyone it it, it drove me crazy it really drove <laughs> me crazy and so in the do documentaries you have one that is from looking at JT Leroy as the character as that woman and interviews from everyone and then the other documentary is the con artist herself is basically running the documentary and being interviewed and talking as if legitimizing it the whole time and you guys this is what drove me crazy she was like well i needed to create another persona because i was fat and it's like (laughs) i know a lot (laughs) guys i've been fat okay i have gained 20 pounds postpartum after this baby came out of me i've had fat years of my life and i've never become a sociopath i don't think i don't think you become somebody who feasts off the vulnerability of others just because you've gained weight like she used that for everything she's like i can't go into the real world so i had to create this persona to live for me i forced my sister to when i was younger to dress in punk rock and i would make her do things it was like that was her legit reason for everything was that she was just a fatty which is crazy to well me. okay so maybe that's how she manipulated me so the first one we watched the cult of J.T. Leroy did not have her in it at all. Laura Albert, the woman behind J.T. Leroy. The second one, author of the J.T. Leroy story, was like basically narrated by Laura Albert. And yeah. it made me feel bad for her. I was like, oh, she hates herself Ugh. so much that she developed all these characters. Like she People felt- hate themselves always. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but sorry. she got me. Everybody- she got me. That is the thing, though. She's manipulative, and she reminds me of, like, an addict because she was just trying to get whatever she could get. And yeah. to have a documentary about you, you be leading it and being the voiceover for the whole thing uh, was so manipulative. She basically is a con artist, and then she's like, let me do a truth tell-all on my side. 
Her side sucks. Yeah. So, okay, we should tell you what time period this is. This is late 90s. <sighs> she starts calling people on the phone. Yeah. By 2002, she has a couple of books out and she's making um, a lot. She of starts money. making public she's on bestseller list. She's on bestseller list by 2004. Her books have been translated into 20 different languages and she's popular all over the world, famous all over the world. So people mm -hmm. are wanting her to speak in person at these book readings. So she's like, oh, fuck, what do I do? Um, and then she brings uh, another person into her scam. Yeah, she has. So her husband or life partner, I don't think they actually had a valid marriage license. No. Which actually I think saved him in this. But um, they had a child together. They lived together. They met because she was enamored. He was a musician. She like liked everything that was happening with him. And he knew that she was on the phone making these calls to these authors, was writing these novels. And he said like, and his sister or half-sister came over one day and she just said like looking at her, she's like, you look exactly how I wish I looked, how I wish JT Leroy looked. And they decided that that sister was going to represent and be JT Leroy, like the human form of JT Leroy. Yes. So there's- what um. I forgot to- her her husband or not husband but partner is Jeffrey Knoop. Their son's name is Thor. I should know. It's really upsetting. Um, I'm very upset about the son. I'm so upset. I mean, JT's middle name is Terminator, so he's got to have a kid named Thor. <laughs> and then the sister's name is Savannah Knoop. So Savannah becomes the face, the public face of JT mm -hmm. Leroy. And it should be noted that Savannah looks like very androgynous, like you mentioned. But regardless, they create this character out of her that's like wearing this like crazy blonde wig everywhere she goes. The worst wig I've ever seen. So bad. So cheap, cheap and so like clearly fake. Yeah. And the they've the smart thing that they did is they built up this character that is uncomfortable to talk to the press doesn't want to be seen doesn't want to be like labeled man or woman like is just it and being it and is so vulnerable so that whenever savannah does talk as jt Leroy, she literally has to say nothing and just be uncomfortable and everybody coddles her like a little baby and maybe savannah was feeling scared or uncomfortable and that was actually like her truth at that moment but people were responding to her with this all this like insider knowledge that she was this abused, scorned person. Um, and the other thing I have to say is that this was all before, really before like main, I don't, so this was when we all still talked to each other on the phone. Like it was before texting. And this, what's her name? Laura, the person I hate, uh, the con artist. Yeah, Laura Albert did say, and I do believe this is true, that she worked as a sex uh telephones phone sex Albert. operator and her yeah. husband said that he that she would just like go into the bathroom and talk to people and that was part of her side hustle so i phone really sex. think she crafted the way to entice people excite people keep them on the phone keep them longer she learned how to basically like create this intense sexual relationship with people on the phone so that when she did make all these calls to lawyers to reporters to celebrities like Billy Corgan, uh, she was already incredibly skilled at that form of communication. She was an expert at it. Yeah, she was very good at accents. Uh, another character involved in this <laughs> yeah. is uh, Speedy. And she <sighs> invented Speedy when she took some of her writing pages 
over to Dr. Owens. She she was riding her bike and uh, the I guess the nurse asked her what her name was and she had ridden there very quickly. So she said that her name was Speedy and Speedy has a British accent. So and Speedy has like a flawless, like totally very good British accent. So Speedy, which is Laura Albert, who is also JT Leroy, Speedy and Savannah and um, Gregory or Jeffrey are all showing up at these book things together, except, yeah, except Speedy is saying that she is um, JT Leroy's manager. And then they start a band together as well called Thistle, just like a side band. Yeah. And she also the part that really like turned it for me was when I was watching the documentary. Well, mine was the author, right? That was the first one I saw. Mm-hmm. So you see Speedy. So the documentaries are great. I'd recommend watching the author JT Leroy first because it's it doesn't it's it's um what is it? Like not biased. Yes, not biased. Um and so it starts with you see JT Leroy and Speedy and Jeff and then their son. And she's talking with Jeff and they're saying like, yeah, we all just like live together and, you know, our lives have to change. And she said, you know, after having a child, like our lives have to change. And it was just this creepy way she talked about her child and JT Leroy where I was like, that's the one that's fucked. And immediately I called it that 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 like one little bit anytime anytime you're creepy with a kid I, I cannot go back from it and she and the the son was calling was in on the lie too the son was calling savannah jt Leroy, even though it was really his aunt and like that was so fucking creepy to me that like then they involved it in the child and at this point speedy is like or laura is living this vivacious life as speedy and loving this being very like charming and controlling and kind of like running the scene with JT Leroy, also jealous of JT Leroy, the character she created. So, so when Savannah, aka JT, starts doing book readings, she's nervous, shy, has this persona of being anxious. They have people do the readings for her. So they'll, oh yeah. So they'll read um, parts of her book for her at these big readings in New York. And the people doing their readings became increasingly more like, Scene like Winona Ryder and yeah, like Winona Ryder, um, Lou Reed, Michael Musto, Natasha Leone, Natasha Leone, um, and then like Billy Corgan, they become close to. So she gets like she starts getting really obsessed with the fame of it all and the sceniness mm-hmm. of it all. My favorite, I think, my the funniest part to me is like they're doing a photo shoot. The three of them are doing a photo shoot for the New York Times. And um, this is in the author, the JT Leroy story and the hair and makeup person. (laughs) She has Savannah clearly has a wig on and the hair and makeup person is like combing and trimming this horrible blonde wig. And I was like, sweetie, everybody's just co-signing this bullshit. Everyone. No one's saying a word. It's wild. No one. And the reason I think that they get away with so much is that if you are dealing with a traumatized child that is a level of vulnerability and pain that you do not want to question because if in any case you are wrong if if it if they are telling the truth that is just creating more more moments of trauma for that 
child. So you're looking at all these people that are treating this fake person with kid gloves and it's so sad because they're really banking on this like level of privacy because of extreme pain that people actually do go through. They use that as their defense system. Yeah. And then to give you an idea of how big this started to get, um, Asia Argento, who's this Italian actor and filmmaker, who's also one of the lead Harvey Weinstein accusers, like tangentially, she buys the rights to the story and makes a film based on one of the books called The Heart is Deceitful Above All Things. Asia and produces it with Weinstein. And produces it with Weinstein. And Asia falls in love with Savannah, or they have like a little romantic affair, mm-hmm. Savannah as JT. So it just gets very big and very Hollywoody. And so then around 2005, people start to be like, what is going on? Like, they, they start to question it. And I remember this. That's why I'm like so um, fascinated by this scam because it was a very good time in the Internet. It was the time when like Gawker was new. It was before Facebook. Gawker had something called the Gawker Stalker, which was like if you saw a celebrity on the street, um, you just emailed Gawker and you told them where you saw them and like what you heard them talking about on the phone. Like really shitty stuff. They're, like the people be- behave differently. The paparazzi behave different. Yes. It was the time of like Lindsay Lohan mm-hmm. and Paris Hilton vagina slips. And we were like living for this content. So Gawker um, had a lot of like, who is this person? JT Leroy was spotted here. Who is this person really like trying to dig to the bottom of it? So then this guy wrote an article in New York Thank Magazine God. and he uncovers the whole um, thing. Somehow I have it he here. figures Unmasking out GT the Leroy whole by thing. Warren St. John um, in 2006. And then there's another guy, the New Yorkers. I think New York Mag person was first in 2005. And then 2006, yeah. the guy from New York Times wrote two more in-depth articles and was like... Oh, yeah, Stephen, Stephen Beachy. From New York Mag? Mm-hmm, was the first one. Yeah. He was the one who broke the article, and it's fascinating because he also spoke with somebody who was a queer person who was a victim of child prostitution, and none of this adds up. Like, the stories just aren't making sense. And so Beachy actually put everything together and found extreme holes in it, just looking at it analytically. Um which nobody had really. But then the New York Times articles came out one right after the other in 2006. And then Jeffrey, the husband, came forward and just admitted the whole thing and was like, yeah, Laura's a scammer. I don't know why we did this or what was (laughs) happening, but uh, yeah, she scammed everybody. Yeah, Yeah, big old fat scammer, that lady. (laughs) Yeah, it was, guys, this is insane. So the other thing too is that then in the documentary, Laura blames all of this on her mother, that her mother was a con artist. We don't know like if it's true if her mother was also into prostitution. Um, and she said that we later found out that she and her mother created specific companies and signed them as JT Leroy. And all of it went back to her and her mother's name was on the tax document. And so that meant that other lawyers and accountants 
ask them who are you signing as and they would sign they would pick to sign as Laura or Sarah or JT Leroy like all these different things so then it became a federal issue that these are fraudulent tax documents so that there's a paper trail going back to Laura's mother which was so shady like it was it they were 100% committing fraud and they were doing all of this maliciously with all of their ducks in a row as well yeah, so they had a um, LLC called Underdog Inc. Of course, mm-hmm. these people think that they're like punk rockers and they're like gaming the system. Um, and they would just funnel all payments through them. The problem was um, the film company that I think Asia Argento was associated with was like, we thought we bought your story. We thought we bought a true story. And so, yes, which is what they told everyone. That's what they told everyone. So. They sued the crap out of her um, and her defense was that they bought a novel and and she was using a pseudonym. So then in the defense for their trial, um, they have this long deposition by Dr. Terry Owens, who says that he doesn't think he's being manipulated. He thinks Mm -hmm. that she is just a very sick person and he has a very, very deep understanding of her psychology um which is just what she said to everybody i mm-hmm. that that was so sad to me it was like she just found a bunch of people that wanted that had a lot of love and feeling and really wanted to help someone and she would repeatedly tell them you are the only one who understands me you're the only one who can help me we're in this together and and they said that she would call people multiple times a day every single day and i remember thinking like how is that possible well she and savannah would eventually do the calls or jeff would do the calls like a lot of people were sort of uh, fielding these calls for her so that she created, it was a three-person operation of Mm -hmm. this victim. Part of her defense, Laura, in 2007, said that JT was her respirator. He was like someone who kept her alive, this character. Um, But she eventually loses the trial and has to repay the film option money. And then in 2008, Savannah publishes a memoir as herself and goes actually on a book tour as herself without the shitty wig um, reading from her book. And then in 2010, um, she writes another book um, and she still publishes under JT Leroy. She still has never published under her own name. She can't let it go. She can't let it go. And I think a very petty thing that I noticed that I think is funny is that at her book, um, at a book signing at the Strand in 2010, she's wearing the exact same outfit that she wears. This is in the first documentary that she wears throughout the whole documentary um, in 2016 in this um, author, the JT Leroy story. <laughs> like, why is yeah, she wearing this? Because it's like a mesh bodysuit and like yeah, a, like a with weird newsboy hat. It's so I fucking hate. weird. She thinks she's punk rock and she has said like, you know, punk rock was the first time nothing like this has been done before. And it's like, yeah, because people aren't horrible monsters. Like punk rock was a type of music that was never done before, but it wasn't a type of way that you manipulate people's lives and ruin their lives and take up their lives and compassion for you. And so Laura apparently had been doing this for a really long time. It said it, it was said in our we read in the documentary that in 1978 in Brooklyn Heights, she was conning a 13-year-old boy that she was sure would never like her. So she called him on the phone with a Swedish accent and said her name was Katrine. And he fell in love with her. And then she said, Katrine is dead. 
And the whole he's in mourning, the mother calls, the mother arrives at the house, is like so confused. And she's like, yeah, I made the whole thing up. So she's she has started this psychotic behavior at 12 years old herself. But she is a sick person. Like when she yes. is in, when she's a kid, she's in a mental hospital twice and then she lives in a group home. But I don't know if that's true. Like, I don't know if that's true. Like that, this is the thing is that she's, everything that comes out of her is, I want to, I, I want to hear like the third and fourth. Like I, I'd like to see the documents from that when she was in there because I think a lot of the stuff she creates and that she's relied on are things that she's either lied or told herself or has absorbed and then continues some of the facts or some of the the lies she keeps saying over and over again so that they have become facts but I don't know if she was thrown in a mental institution a couple times I think that's just what she says and I think when in this documentary when she's explaining everything herself she's doing it in this extreme victim like setting and victim light and being like, I had to, I had no other choice. Well, yeah, a psychotic person who manipulates and ruins people's lives is going to be like, guys, look, I had no other choice. <laughs> I had to ruin their lives. Yeah. Sorry, what can I say? That's <laughs> it's just part true. of it. It's like, it's like, yeah, I had to have that extra ice cream sundae, but I didn't have to like keep someone on the phone with me and make him tell me his deepest sexual fantasy so he was uncomfortable confessing this to a 14-year-old boy. Oh no! Yeah, and I think that's why the first documentary is called "The Cult of J.T. Leroy" because um, J.T. Leroy has such power over these people and has them like yes. magnetized. Um, I and I think it's from her like experience as a sex telephone operator because she just knew how to manipulate people, and she said that her mother was a con artist. And in the documentary, they said that the husband was never officially married they didn't want him in any of the business his name wasn't on any of the documents and so the mom and the daughter and well both daughters because both daughters names were in the documents were all in on it together and they they cut the husband out of everything so i also think maybe that's why he confessed because he was never really quite in mm. the group but he just went with it mm -hmm. um i'm trying to find where she's at today so Savannah, she's successful. <laughs> so Savannah, I hate them. Savannah wrote this memoir, and this live-action movie with Laura Dern is is based on Savannah's memoir as of her time as JT Leroy. Um, Everybody's getting paid. Everyone's yeah. getting paid. But you know what? You hate it, but I kind of think it's a good scam. I hate it's <laughs> it's. Uh, why do you think it's a good scam? Because. Uh, she fooled all these people. She fooled Billy Corgan. Like no one thought so? to question her. Courtney Love didn't even didn't even say like you're not a real boy. Like I don't know. It's fascinating to me. I think it's so good. Oh, I I think that she I see that. I mean, it is fascinating, but I think that like there's scams when it's like you are laundering money or tax evasion or you scam people into like giving you a little help here or there but she basically scammed people with like the deepest saddest part of humanity and saying like be on my side for this and I think that is like a part that is so special and so lovely and when people are compassionate and give that human spirit to you and take time out of their lives to to give you attention and love and support she just completely took advantage of all of that and also on top of that she said she had aids and she didn't and so then you have this entire community of people that are um grieving for like everyone that they lost in the 90s and 80s and there's this huge 
impact from that community and she takes all of that energy as well. I just think it's so vicious. I don't like that manipulation. I think that manipulation is bad. Of course, that's awful and hurtful and shitty. Um, But I think getting New York's like artistic elite to that was stupid to buy into her shit of like putting someone in a shitty wig and then tricking duping everyone into believing like that is to me like so fascinating and I think that is a good scammer sorry yeah yeah I guess I here's what's so crazy is that she then I mean the only part I'm is kind of no I hate I hate her so much but what she's doing now is she's like turning it all like she also then took the narrative as JT and she was like guys I have to come out because I'm wounded and now I have to confess and have a redemption story so she also then is taking she's just a completely controlling manipulative person because now she's taking the like her being horrible and ruining people's lives and taking trust from people and you know, representing a community that felt marginalized. Then she's saying, well, look, guys, I'm such a victim. I needed to do this or else I would have killed myself or something. She said something equally extreme but, so that then she controls that narrative on the other side of it. It's just, it, it's so insane. I think in now, in 2020, she would have been like formally canceled and we she would never be around again. But the fact that she's still writing as JT Leroy, her Twitter account is still active and she's still whatever is just like, wow. She duped the people on Deadwood. Like she contacted the people. She might be like, so guys, she was in in the writer's room on Deadwood because she contacted them and said she loved them. She contacts all these different writers. Um, What was the guy named? Something Pitt, Michael Pitt. She... Uh, I forget the showrunner on Deadwood. She was watching the show and she felt drawn to it. So she contacted him and he hired her as a writer. Like, who does that? How does that? That's crazy. Steven Shanberg, um, she was going to work with him, but then he didn't work with her anymore because it was a lie. But there's just this element of like in good faith and in like good humankind that she just like took and ruined. And I I don't know. I just think it's so upsetting. And also the pro. What's also what people have said in both documentaries is that it does shine light on how difficult it is and how much of like a club it is to write a book and release a book and have a book be successful. Because if Bono is telling everyone in Rolling Stone that's the book to read, then that's all you need. And it doesn't matter if it offers a service or if it is even really good. Mm. I just want to clarify. I think I I'm already correcting myself. Got some of the facts wrong. So for the film lawsuit, it was. Um, for her fir- first book, Sarah, it wasn't for the hardest deceitful, deceitful above all things called Antidote Films that she went to court for and, and had to pay the option money back. The hardest deceitful above all things with uh, with Asia Gento, um, got made and went to Cannes and people loved it. So this was for like another <laughs> film for her yeah. other book. Kate, do you want to jump in? What are your thoughts here, girl? Uh, yeah, I. I want to be the mediator, right? I want to be the pod mom to mediate between Sue thinking this is a good scam and Katie thinking that this was a woman who uh, used trauma to manipulate people. And I agree with both of you. I think <laughs> I think there's two scammers and one victim. So I think that there is, uh, what's her name? Laura Albert is a scammer who's, who's a, kind of a, a traditional con artist, honestly, manipulating many people records everything 
has a long history of doing it. It's a complicated documentary. Has her own documentary. And then also at the end plays the victim, right? Yeah. But this, the second scammer, which I kind of enjoyed this person, this second, uh, it's the second scammer, but it's also somebody who became a victim. And that is the the culture of like the literati. Yes. Right? Like the people who, who the New York Times bestsellers, which like sci-fi yes, and romance yes. cannot get on the New York Times. It has to be trauma porn, <laughs> right? It has to be like, yes, I hate because, that. Because, because the let's just go ahead and say it i'm going to say it the 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 affluent white men who write literary reviews don't go through a lot of adversity and they enjoy reading stories about pain uh-huh. yeah um and they see it as this like uh spark of humanity or like like their own redemption of the human soul right exactly and they don't because they're they're unaffected um so you have these two scammers uh that are just victimizing each other in a number of kind of hilarious celebrity ways but the real victim is is people who were maybe like queer children mm. who yes. read those books and identified with those books and were like hey I'm not alone in how I feel about my gender or in being sexual at a young age or whatever um and to find out that's a hook that's the real tragedy to me Courtney Love getting scammed. I don't care. <laughs> right. Um, it's more about this this kind of industry of of sensationalizing trauma that that I, also like yeah. even Oprah plays into sometimes, honestly. Mm-hmm. But don't mm-hmm. you? I love a good trauma yeah. memoir. Don't you? No. Um, no? I do. And I don't. Mm-hmm. It depends. Right. Like in this case. No, I I, I the The result is no. It depends. Well, also, I, I, don't, I certainly too, think people should write about their trauma, but uh, no. yeah, it's well, this, become an industry. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And this too, with uh, the children, boy, young teens were saying who were interviewed was that it made it feel like, guys, this is, I'm somebody who got out of it. Like I moved past my trauma. I'm now mm-hmm. famous and you can be too. And it's like, well, no, if you actually went through all of this stuff, you actually lived a life on the street at that age, like it, you wouldn't have the exact same circumstances. And in this case, yes, you would have to be created by three different people to be one phenom. <laughs> like you, they, they were sort of convenient. selling this like it could happen to you. And it's convenient that the story of this outcast character who society would normally stamp on is a little blonde boy. It's very right. convenient. And that's what Laura know? kept saying is that she wanted she, her perfect person was this. Like she also said that her perfect person was mm. this male child blonde who just just very yeah the whole had to be cute right the whole time i was like when i was listening to these guys who had spoken with jt on the phone i was like if a little girl called you up like would you have the same reaction to this yeah would you have the same relationship I, i think that's notable as well i think that this story coming from the perspective of a girl would have been like too I don't know. I don't know, actually. Too horrible. They would have immediately... Well, and I, but I also think it would have been ignored as a piece of literature. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Or also they would have been like, well, you need to go to an... They would have found her... There is this feeling too, and this is not, I don't like this, and this, I know men have had issues with this, is that they sort of go like, well, you're, you got to be a tough boy and you got to do it on your own. So this idea of like, somebody tells you their trauma, well, he's got to stand up and figure it out and be a tough old guy and and grow up to be a man. And it's like a girl, they would find doctors, hospitals, medical advice, like they do 
the community seems to take care of women, even though they don't also, but they there are more like institutions around taking care of a woman's mental health than a man's. And like they just be like, well, he just needs to toughen up or or I'll be the one he can tell me privately because you could never admit this in the real world. Like there it is yeah. this unfair side they give to men. It- it depends, right? Because there's some homophobia, I think, that plays into that that doesn't play into women mm. who are experiencing trauma young. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, that's tough. I'm just looking at her public Instagram, which <laughs> she also has a public Instagram for JT Leroy. Um, she's just so obsessed with celebrity. Like, it's all, like, picture of her about well, yeah. her, her at the Bowery Hotel, her in front of the Letterman sign. Her with a Louis Vuitton jacket. Like, it's crazy. They well, kept saying that in the... both. <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was just saying in all documentaries, they really said that um, it really sped up as soon as the celebrities were involved, that like it was really fun. It was really exciting. She was using the authors really to edit her book and create like these strong pieces of writing. But it, her the craze and kind of snowballed with her, Savannah and Jeff, when the celebrities started getting involved. And that was that was something that she and Jeff had always wanted because they wanted to be celebrities based on their music. So that's when they created Thistle. So it's interesting. Like JT Leroy is very successful and they go like, you know what? Now is time to really be musicians. <laughs> and so then they create Thistle based on that. And it's like, okay, this whole time they just wanted to be these like 90s punk musicians, which was just pathetic. I also have a hot take about some Savannah Knopp who – yeah faked it mm-hmm. um she fa- she pretended to be jt Leroy for six years which is a very long time to be a very victim long. of con mm. um and then she wrote the screenplay for the movie that i watched that you neither <laughs> one of you saw <laughs> which which was fine it was fine i think Kristen stewart was in it because she wanted to talk about um gender mm-hmm. as like a subject for us to focus on now which i think is fine and cool and it was covered well but the story that we that we're talking about, the events of the con artist, wasn't super present in the movie, and instead <sighs> made the actress Asia uh, Argento. Ar- I don't know Argento out to be like a villain. Really? Oh no! Yes, like as if Asia Argento was manipulating the young girl Savannah um, uh, with her stardom, with her no sexuality, in order to get the movie rights. No. So that was kind of the premise of that movie, which I found Ugh. knowing all of the reality and the fact that it was written by Savannah, the screenplay was written by and her. And that Asia Argento had been through odd. so much already. And like Asia now that Argento, we know a lot about it, her. Yes. It's a bizarre thing to know. I, I think if you watch the movie standalone, you know nothing about it. You're like, oh, what a weird story. But knowing all this, it's even more bizarre. Weird. Because um, I watched that yeah. first, and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is a con, really. <laughs> this is creepy. It sounds like a personal issue with one woman. <laughs> well, how was exactly. also extremely a victim. How was that movie? Exactly. It was, listen, Laura Dern is a national treasure. Yes. <laughs> she's I so good. I Laura Dern. I like Kristen Stewart fine. I think she's, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. She's, she's like the Courtney Love, like, seen to be seen. Like, that's definitely who she is in reality, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's fine. Um, it looks from Laura's Instagram that she's still a writer on Deadwood, if that's show still happening. But she, she, there's still pictures of her with Deadwood and on the Deadwood set and stuff like that. So that's where she's at today. All right. I, I have to end on a light note. I have a question for both of you. Yes. 
if that's yeah. yes, mom. Um, if you were going to invent a persona, something nice, right? Not trauma. You're going to invent a persona to scam the like celebrity elite, like the top TikTokers. Yeah. The YouTubers so that you could get See, in that I circle. Adore, in my heart, I love that. That is so luxurious. Like don't, don't bank on other people's trauma and like abuse, but that idea of creating. No, I'm saying don't uh, do that. So but interesting. In, but if you were to scam, right, you're presented yeah. with an opportunity to show up at a YouTube party and be someone interesting to scam them. I got one. It might be too difficult of a question. Okay, great. It? There's this TikToker named Candy Ken. And he, <laughs> I love when it's clear that people are trolling the world, you know? So he is like a straight guy who wears like blush and pink, like his favorite color is pink and he eats candy and he makes the cutesiest little videos. And it's clear that, I don't know, I don't know that it's clear, but he's clearly just trolling us. Another example of people trolling us is like this Quibi show with Nicole Richie where the whole conceit is that she wants to be a rapper called Nikki Fresh mm. and she raps about produce. And that's the whole conceit. <laughs> and I'm like, you're just trolling us all and making a huge show about it. And I fucking love that. And I think it's so good. Like something that like so that. Funny. That's like a yeah. sketch character. Oh, that's good. I would create an accidental billionaire. Mm. Because I think that that would create so much and not victim me like, oh, I'm hurt to be like, like, just like, I don't know what happened. Like just a, 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 a level of innocence that it could be like anybody else, but accidentally what we've all imagined, like, what would it be like if you like had a million dollars, like, bi like, but be create a billionaire and just be a social that would be my my social avatar of just like this person who just like accidentally was a billionaire and, and just how people respond and treat you differently and trust you and bring you in their circles and put you on their bestseller list if they knew you were like incredibly wealthy and to sort of see how everybody responds to that, what they think they can get out of it. No, no, like um, like someone who is a regular person, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't play on like the how the J2 the war is like on the southern like you know outskirts of West Virginia just like just run-of-the-mill middle-of-the-line average American that then gets like billions and billions of dollars like a, from the lottery like a from Tinsley a Mortimer uncle, or like but has kind of had no experience as a rich person and then suddenly so you becomes, can't find your money also that's also an yeah. accident so you need people to pay for you even though you're a billionaire I yeah 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 Kind of Anna Delvey, but also, but not, but Anna Delvey's, but Anna Delvey's thing was that she came from royalty, like, or that yeah. she came from an old, like, thing, so that you don't have any, you're just like everybody you're an else. all-American All-American person, and then all of a sudden, you are a billionaire, and how would people respond? Yeah, I love mm -hmm. it. Oh, my God, I lost my money. Oh, me? Like, oh, a, I did, like I an Anna Delvey kind of. Experiment. Hang on, give me two seconds. <laughs> Think of something. I think it will uh, edit out whatever we need. Because then, okay, guys, I'll yeah. be great at this. <laughs> because, yeah. Well, no, I'm just thinking about it now because then you really can just be on everyone's level, but then you are like actually it. living everyone's fantasy. Kate, what about you? Um, I would be the just the daughter of someone really wild. Um, okay. 
no, no, no. A, like the daughter like of Mick Jagger? Yeah. Really hey, famous. Yeah, like no, like, or like murderer. Murderer. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. It'd be like, you know, be like, oh, are you, why are you at this party? It's like, hey, you remember that astronaut who murdered that other astronaut and drove across the country with her body? Yeah, I'm her daughter. It's really <laughs> tough. I mean, I don't know her well. Obviously, she's in jail. Like yeah. an heiress. You'd That's be an heiress. so funny. Not <laughs> so you're like not affiliated with any bad stuff, but you're like, yeah. But I am that. <laughs> and everyone wants to. Everyone yeah. wants to be like, what's your life like? Yeah. I read an article about the guy who runs the Stakeums Twitter, and apparently this is fake, but he told the Washington Post that he was the son of David Koresh. Wait, who's that? I don't know. I'm so out of it. <laughs> from great. Waco. It's a great oh, scam. Jesus. It's great. God. That cult leader from yeah, Waco yeah. from like yeah, the 90s. No, yeah. Great scam. You can it's get hilarious. the Washington Post to print it. You've done yes. well. And that's what I think that's what this scam like hits on so much is that the mm-hmm. embarrassment and the politeness that we all have with certain issues, like in certain topics sure. is like you would never want to question that because it's such a horrific, you could never imagine somebody making it up. And then this woman Unless from Brooklyn, like, I know. And she's like, Unless it's a woman it. claiming that she, something happened to her. And then, it's, You'd question then, we, gotta, it. And then we have to cooperate. Then, we need I hate everything. I hate everything. Oh, yeah. We need proof. We do not believe victims. Oh, yeah, yeah we have I, a I whole court case true, and then but... we don't. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. You guys, this is great. Guys, I hate this woman. The 90s. It did make me a little nostalgic for like a time before the internet. The honestly. 90s yeah. were so dirty and so greasy. Like everybody so just greasy. looked gross. Like they showed all these like behind this, this scene, like back stuff. And it's like you can wear a horrible looking wig and it is fashionable because the people 90s were had so gross acne. It made me. Lots of people. The greasy faces made me miss cocaine. I was like, oh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, Courtney Levin, one of the documentaries, goes, hold on while I do this coke. Can yeah, hold on while I do this. You hear her sniffing coke during an interview. Oh, I'm also like, yeah. That was she's great. Just like, she's telling them they could make it on Oprah. It's a great redemption story. And she's just like snorting it up as <laughs> the interview's going. I love. Oh, God. Well, guys. You guys. If you want to go down a whole rabbit hole, there's so much for you to explore on JT Leroy slash yeah, Laura Albert. Yeah, what you think. What team are you on? Yes. Yeah. Good scam or bad scam? Bad scam. Or is, you know, or the Kate, the mommy scam. Or mom scam. Or <laughs> more mom scam. Or like more educated. <laughs> yeah, or more educated, thoughtful thing. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Kate, do you have anything else? Final thoughts? Skip the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Skip the Kristen Stewart Skip movie. Skip the book, That's too. Obvious. I read the first chapter. And How I was, was it? Like, this is not. It was. It was nothing. It wasn't good writing? Ugh. No, not really. That's what I was wondering. To be... It's fine. But also, like, there's a lot of best out. There's a lot of, like, like, skinny boys who have high water pants who recommend books to me and and are like this will change your life and I read it and I go it's fine yeah like Jack yeah, Kerouac you know what I mean Boring. that's why you need like Jack this. Kerouac like David Foster Wallace like like Chuck Palahniuk it's like these are fine yeah. guys yeah. read yeah. Maisie Dobbs read oh, my Maisie book. Dobbs <laughs> yes read Dangerous <laughs> Movies mm-hmm. read any other book yeah. by any other person who's a female mm-hmm. <laughs> um and you know what? You can visit our website and yeah. find out more about all this stuff and see where you can link to Caitlin and find her book and stuff. 
and hang out with us and reach us because we love chatting with you we love a phone call let's let's pretend it's the 90s and we talk on the phone like guys you can always call us on our hot tip hotline because you know i love a phone call which is 347-509-9414 and we need some phone calls it's been yeah you can you can email us at scamwallpodcast at gmail.com yeah we need to hear from you we're putting together a new mailbag episode so send us your thoughts and your favorite scams and let us know what you're up to during this quarantine, baby. Yes. We love you so much. And thank you, Kate, and so much for jumping in on this. Yes. Of course. I love it. I love being here to protect you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you, Sue. Oh, thank you, Katie. <laughs> and Anytime. we'll see you we'll see you guys next week. Yes. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.